Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with your Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you so much for tuning in week after week. I'm so impressed with how many people are listening to this. It just blows my mind. And it's because of these amazing guests I keep having on the show. And I'm just grateful for that. And I want to also thank our sponsors, uh, Siegfried and Jensen, uh, Wasatch Recovery and Veracity Networks. Thank you guys for believing in me. I can't tell you how much that means to me. And I, I'd like to also thank my previous guests. You guys have been amazing. And again, that's why we are where we're at today. And today's going to be no different. Today, we are joined by the author of the book, Pain, A Love Story, Dr. Serena Sterling. Dr. Sterling, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited for our listeners to hear your amazing story and also the amazing things that you're doing. So a little background on Serena. She holds a master's in international journalism, a doctorate in clinical psychology. She's a certified life coach. Um, she uh, has obviously gone through some struggles in her life. She struggled with chronic fatigue. And the way she dealt with it is she would snort co lines of Coke in her kitchen. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Um, as an editor at uh, Spirituality and Health, nationally recognized magazine, she felt like an imposter. And she, in her book, Pain, a, Lo uh, a Love Story, she talks about finding freedom past that imposter syndrome that a lot of us deal with. Um, it all started when she was a child. She complained about an imaginary pain to get attention, which developed into juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Not wanting to accept a lifetime of fate, she discovered mind-body healing techniques that transformed her mental, emotional, and physical health. And then witnessing what seemed like a miraculous transformation, Serena decided she needed to share this with the world. And we get her today. And that's the beautiful thing. And I'm so excited. And so um, where I'd like to start, Serena, is uh, tell us where you grew up and a little bit about your childhood. I grew up in Philadelphia. It, it was a really beautiful area of Philadelphia where I, I was really close to this area called um, Wissahickon Park. And so I could go for hikes around my house. And, you know, it was, it was great on that, on the exterior, it looked perfect. You know, right. I got into so many different sports growing up and I had dogs and they went to a good school and everything like that. But right. I would say that there was so much competition and pressure to succeed in my family that I started to feel it by age seven or eight. And right. Okay. Um, and that's so I can go into more about that. If you want. Yeah, no, I'd love to hear more about that one. You know, I think that happens with a lot of kids, you know, um, where we're trying to keep up maybe with the older siblings or they, we see success in what they're doing. It's like, man, can I live up to that too? And so, yeah, talk a little bit about that, uh, what you went through there. So I have an older brother, he's two and a half years older, and I always felt like he, was the favorite. He was like the golden child who could do nothing wrong. And of course he's going to be better because he's older and he's a boy. But to me, it just, it felt like I was so unseen and unheard as a child that I, I, 
that's all I wanted was just for my parents to show me as much attention. And so because I was this natural athlete, because I come from a very athletic family, yeah. excelling at sports was just kind of a, a given and that didn't win me any favors. And so, and yeah. then the pressure to succeed academically, even as a child at like seven or eight years old. So I, um, I remember I had this like light bulb moment go off when I was skiing, I learned to ski in Sun Valley. And I remember in this, uh, class I was in thinking like, wow, like there's just this never ending cascade of hoops. I'm going to have to jump through. I'm going to graduate from this small mountain. I'm going to have to go to Baldy mountain. And then I'll have to go to like the double black diamonds. And then I'll have to go like helicopter skiing. And then, and then, and then, yeah. you know, and I was like, I'm done. How, like, what, am, what is going to give me the attention? Yeah. And I just wanted an out. And so I had this idea, like every time I got sick in my family, you know, I could stay home from school. My brother couldn't roughhouse with me. My mom would give me extra attention. So I was like, that's what I want. And I saw, I saw a friend of mine get injured in gym class when mm -hmm. I was in second grade. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to have pain. My parents are going to have to show me wow. real attention if I have pain in my body. So that's why I complained about pain that never existed. That's interesting um, in how it started at such a young age. And then that was the that was in your mind, like, this is how I'm going to make this work in my favor. I'm going to fake that I have these, these pains. And I think a lot of, I mean, I've done that before where, you know, I fake sick, you know, just so I can, you know, have my mom give me some sympathy or whatever. But you, I mean, what you're saying, man, that's almost next level stuff because, you know, feeling like you weren't maybe being, having the attention that you need and all these achievements that you were doing was never enough. Um, do you find that pretty common with uh, the clients that you deal with today? Yes. And what I find also, um, it's a good question because I feel like whatever they were given as a child or not given for that matter became internalized. And so now, even though their parents aren't around them being like, come on, honey, you can do it. Like yeah. let's get number one or like, let's get a plus. Like now they've internalized that. So the pressure is on themselves to do better. And it, I just had a client the other day who was like, I, you know, he pushed himself so hard to excel at certain sports so that he could, if his, if he got number one, then his parents yeah. would show attention. But if he was just kind of like, you know, number five, then he, yeah. he wouldn't be seen. But so now it's kind of like, you know, the, he didn't enjoy the sports anymore. He doesn't enjoy work. He doesn't enjoy a lot of things. And there's a level of perfectionism that I definitely see yeah. with a lot of people. Yeah. I, I see that a lot too with my clients uh, where, you know, they, they they want to be perfect or they think they need to be in order to, to actually be of worth. And uh, so I think that's very common. And I'm sure you do see that a lot with your clients. So as you got older, um, did this continue? Did you continually, I mean, you said it kind of led into this rheumatoid, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, talk about that and how that kind of played out. Okay, so I started to complain about pain that never existed when I was nine, like the beginning okay. of third grade. And I really got into an act around this. I was, I limped on the way home from my bus station, my bus stop. I, I did all these activities like gymnastics and ballet and all these things. And, um, and I just I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do a handstand. My, my hands hurt or things like that. So right was like a real, it was a real charade. My mom would take me to all these doctors and be like, you know what? Your daughter is in excellent health. Like there's nothing wrong with her. And I was like, no, there's gotta be something wrong with me. Um, so it sounds really 
bad. It's like, it's like the nocebo effect. Like I had to believe yeah. fully. Yeah. It's actually manifesting really when you think about it, but for something bad, but for me, it was like a yeah. way to like cope in my family. Wow. Well, that's what I was just going to say. You basically were manifesting this into your life because you had thought about it. You, you were faking, you were acting the part. You know, I really, I think our beliefs dictate our behavior, right? And so when we believe we're feeling this, again, our behavior mirrors that. And so, so as you were doing that, I mean, how did you, is that, when did the chronic fatigue come into play? Was that later in life or were you dealing with that as well as a young child? You know, I, I always feel like I was a little bit more tired than a lot of kids. Um, I, so I would come home, climb trees, <laughs> do, <laughs> do child things like that. But then I yeah. would like take a nap. Maybe like I would make my mom wake me up for like, I dream of genie or something. I mean, that totally changed his name, but, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it wasn't until show. it was such yeah. a, um, but it wasn't until I was in my early twenties that, um, that I had the chronic fatigue. Okay. So obviously you're here, you're struggling, but you're also, you're a go-getter. You're, you're, you're trying to excel at things. So you obviously were really good at sports. What other things were you trying to excel at at the time? When I was a child and developing arthritis? Yeah. Um, I think I just, you know, there was a pressure to excel in school also. Like yeah. not that my parents were thinking of what college for me to go to at nine years old, but they, mm-hmm. um, education was definitely, um, a big part of my family. So I, so I remember even in second grade trying to do something like, Oh, I can't do this math problem and trying to get attention that way. Oh. And then that backfired because I was like on the verge of failing second grade. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, so, you know, I mentioned in, uh, you know, in your introduction, you, you got to a point with this chronic fatigue and you specifically talk about how you, you obviously got to a point where you're, you know, you're snorting lines of cocaine and, and that's pretty extreme, obviously. When did that fall into play and talk about that, that little, that journey there with, with, uh, with drugs? I had just done a master's in international journalism from a school in London, and then I landed a job at spirituality and health magazine in New York city. And it's, um, it's still at like, I think it's 74 Trinity place in New York city, which is a few blocks from where the world trade center was. Yeah. And so I, I feel like I kind of got tired in London because I had, I knew that journalism wasn't completely what I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And yeah. there's, um, but I was also studying health and wellness over there is I was in um I was like studying international news and that was I think depressing because I had to read five newspapers a day and like when you take in that much amount of like you know yeah. like the news is never really happy news it's like <laughs> it's <laughs> right like yeah. and it's about like you're basically like why would I even leave my apartment at this point because it's terrifying outside um yeah. so I think that was like starting to de- depress my immune system and then i was also studying like health and wellness and i was learning about mad cow disease and while i was over there like foot and mouth came out and i basically had a terrible diet and then i moved to new york and 9 11 happened and i didn't know how to make sense of it i just think i went into shock and i was just kind of numb for a while and as a result of repressing a lot of my emotions and not dealing appropriately with any of it um and also not having a great diet. Yeah. Um, 
when you're tired, you just, you want to go for like the sugar and the stimulants. So exactly. Yeah. I went to my medical doctor who told me that he diagnosed me with chronic fatigue syndrome, but then he said, you know what? There's no cure. Just learn to live with it and stay away from sugar and caffeine, which are my things that are keeping me awake. <laughs> You're like, what? How am I going to do that? <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll deal with this on my own and mm. I can probably get over it. And that's fine. Like I just didn't really accept his diagnosis. Um, so initially I just, I did certain things, but then I asked a friend, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm really tired. Like I'm sleeping more yeah. hours than I'm awake. You know, walking a few, few blocks makes me want to take a nap for two hours. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you know what, if I could get Ritalin or Adderall, that would probably help. Like, even though I don't have ADD, right. I, you know, would take it a little bit here and there, trade it in, um, in college for like I would get some medication like um, codeine or hydrocodeine um, that I was thinking could help with some something for the arthritis, but it didn't do any work. So here and there, I'd like to pull an all-nighter with the help of Adderall. <laughs> so wow. I had done this before and I was like, okay, so I just need something like that to mm. allow me to stay awake long enough to do my work. I, I was working from home because... Um, the office had a lot of the ash from 9-11 came through the vents. And so it had to be cleaned and it took five months for it to be fully cleaned. Wow. So I was yeah. working from home and that was not helpful because my couch was right there and I would just take a nap every time I felt tired. So my friend was like, I can't get you Adderall or Ritalin, but I can get you cocaine. So, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm in a bind here. I'm desperate. I don't want to yeah. my job I don't you know I was just so I basically did lines of cocaine wow. off my kitchen counter and then I sat down to work and I was in charge of updating the newly um the new website so learning html code and but right. I was sitting there for spirituality and health magazine after doing lines in my kitchen wow <laughs> so, you know imposter syndrome is something that we've heard about in the past I don't know yeah. few years but yeah I would say that was a pretty good example of that. Yeah, probably, you know, cognitive dissonance comes to mind as I'm hearing, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to live up to what this magazine represents, but on the, on the back end, you're doing the opposite, you know? So how did, I mean, did this just get worse? Did it spiral out of control? I mean, how did you get out of that, uh, out of that? Well, I think, you know, like as, with any addiction, you can justify it. Oh, well, I'm yeah. just going to do this and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Even like, even if you're like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I'm just going to eat like half a pint of ice cream. Oh, just a little bit more. Oh, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll run it off tomorrow, whatever right. it is. Yeah. So I would tell myself things like that. Like, I'll just do lines, you know, for a few hours, you know, here and there, and then I'll stop by like 3 PM so I can fall asleep at night. I'll stop on the weekends. Yeah. It's not like I'm doing it to have a raging good time in my apartment and doing it to just stay awake and do my work. Um, but I did that for about a month and a half. And I was like, you know, this is not making me any better. This is not right. like, a bandaid approach. And as soon <laughs> as I stopped doing this on the weekends, I'm still just as tired. Yeah. So um, and I also was like, I'm really into health and wellness. Yes. There was like cocaine and like Coca-Cola back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and 
but it's really no longer acceptable. So um, I just, I decided at one point, I was like, I've got to stop. I've got to like, I don't want to really make this into an addiction. I felt like I still had control at a certain point. So I decided, and I had a huge hunch that a lot of my fatigue was um, based in emotions that I wasn't expressing because they were just too difficult to identify and too difficult to process. So at a certain point, I just was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to a doctor who does this technique I know about from, from undergrad. um, And, and I stopped and I never looked back. Never looked back. Wow. That is amazing. Um, and that's rare, you know, never looking back kind of thing. So that's, that's, uh, I'm glad that that happened for you in that, in that direction. So you had this miraculous, you know, you talk about this miraculous change and talk about that because this leads into everything that you're doing now, which is amazing. And I, I'm so excited to talk about, I want to talk about NET and all that fun stuff that you're doing. And it's really I mean, I didn't know too much about it until I did some research on you. And I'm really excited for, for our listeners to learn more about that. But what was this miraculous event and, and how did this lead into everything that you're doing now? I, I looked for a doctor in New York who practiced NET or neuroemotional technique, because I'd been introduced to that when I was um, doing undergrad in Portland, Oregon. And I found her and I saw her like even after the first session I felt so much better I walked three miles home after not being able to walk for a few blocks really I just this is after one session one session and it probably wasn't even the full hour because she probably asked certain questions to get my history Uh, and I want to just point out sorry to cut you off but you you talk about how this is such a it's how it's fast this can change things yeah I mean, for you to do that in one session. So again, sorry, I just want to point that out that this is one of the things that you really push. So, yeah. And I, I was just reminded of that the other day. Um, I've, I've had clients before I say, this is extremely fast and that's been my experience too. And when you're in some sort of, well, I mean, even emotional distress, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever, uh, chronic pain, you don't really want, like, I did not want to sit in therapy for years talking about stuff and not feeling any better. And I also had like such, it was so stigmatized to see a therapist in my family yeah. um, that, and I just didn't, I wasn't really a good client in traditional therapy um, because I, I basically didn't, any question that was asked about like how I was feeling, I would basically skirt around it and mm. not actually feel, but kind of intellectualize the feeling. Right. (laughs) So this technique was really good because it kind of like would come in sideways and catch me by surprise. And I couldn't prepare. I would just Mm -hmm. have to feel an emote. Um, But I had a client a few years ago say that NET is basically the equivalent of an email versus more traditional talk it out approaches or more like a handwritten letter sent around, mailed around the world like 10 times. Like you'll still get a result, but it's just- slower. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So you, I know this is one of the techniques and the tools that you use with your clients. Talk about, just get in a little more detail of what this looks like and, and why it is so successful and why it works so fast. Okay. So it does probably look strange when you (laughs) go through it because um, practitioner is using muscle testing or applied like the basic form of applied kinesiology. So if I were with someone in person, I'd be holding up their arm 
and pushing on it and it would go weak or strong depending on what I'm asking. And then yeah. I've learned how to also do it <clears throat> remotely. So I'm self self muscle testing and asking my okay. body to tap into their body based on the vibration of their voice and other things like that. So I'm basically testing, I'm asking the body for answers. So motions are actually felt first in the body, but then we make sense of it in the mind. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like, are you okay with something or are you not okay with something? So you could say like, my name is Todd and your arm strength or your, or my testing will show that that's strong. Like that's, you're okay with that. If I said like, yeah. now say my name is Cindy, like, well, that's not your name. I can't imagine that in any realm that's your name. So right. you're a weak. And so the same is okay. true for thoughts, emotions, beliefs. You know, you can have like a nightmare and you're going to be waking up and like that rhino was not chasing you down the street, but your, your body reacted as if it was. And so we have the same thing. Like you can, you know, all these things happen, but then it's our reaction to those things. So then okay. I can test like, okay, like think about that event where you were not given a promotion. And then I find, I test for that. And then I find the emotion that's connected to that. And okay. then I can take it back to an even earlier event in your life, it could have been a year ago, it could have been 10 years ago, or something similar happened, and it was yeah. never processed. So now you're getting re-triggered to feel those things even more in the present. Okay, wow, that that is very interesting. Again, I, and I've seen you do this, and it's really impressive. Um, you talk about how in your book, uh, Pain, A Love Story, which we're going to talk about why you titled it A Love Story, <laughs> um, but you talk about how you, this, you help, this helps uncover like 88%, you know, roughly around there of the underlying things that are going on with us. Is this part of what this does that what you're talking about? Yes, it finds with amazing precision and speed. Okay. What are the emotions that got repressed that you just, you know, and people repress for all different reasons, but mainly in my opinion, it's like something happened and it was so overwhelming to feel, or you started to feel it, but then, you know, life took over and you're like, yeah. Oh, that goes to the back burner. But the back burner is like your, your body, you filter it through your body and it yeah. doesn't always get expelled from your body. So this technique I have found is really helpful in identifying and releasing that stuck emotion. Okay. Um, and is this more one-on-one -on -one or can you also do this in a group setting? Have you ever tried it like with a group of people? Can you do that as well? You can. I have, I've been a participant. I've been like a client in a group, but I find that it's so personal that I find it works best one-on-one. -on -one. Um, like I've done it with like five other people. We, we pick like a common theme, like money okay. or, okay. Love or relationships. Um, and then we all kind of like connect to whatever that person in the hot seat is going through, but I find that it works better individually. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and so once you've identified these underlying issues, how do you get someone to, or, you know, how do you get to the point where it's, you know, the person resolves those issues? I find that one of the biggest things is just getting that awareness of like, oh, that's the emotion that I'm feeling. That's why this bothers me and asking certain things. But then, and if it goes back in time, great. Sometimes it's just in the present that this issue is happening. And then there are, so there are principles of Chinese medicine that are in, mm. um, in this technique. And so 
since I'm, I was trained in psychology, I'm doing more of like a, a mind entry and I'm going through the pulse points on the, <clears throat> on the different wrists. So okay. like the governing conception vessel, um, fire, wood, water. And then, so whatever organ I'm finding is connected okay. to the emotions. So then I'm having them hold a certain pulse point while, while they hold their um, emotional points on their head okay. while they do a little breathing in and out and thinking about that memory or that emotion and really just feeling it until it starts to dissipate. And then that's how they release it. Wow. That is amazing. And, and this is what you experienced when you went and sought out that doctor, when you were struggling, this is what uh, she put you through mm -hmm. and you were able to walk home three miles. You said after limping and struggling, so you like in one session yep. was able to kind of resolve a lot of this. So how did you feel after that? Were you just like euphoric? <laughs> you just going, wow. I was like, okay, yes. Like I knew that there was going to be hope. I, I knew that I didn't have to continue down the path of cocaine in my kitchen or <laughs> like this light sentence of like, there's nothing I could do about it. I was just like, okay, I'm going to go back to her. I went back to her a number, you know, for probably a few weeks. And then uh -huh. she was like, you know, if you really want to like elevate this faster, I'm going to have you do some supplements, homeopathy remedies, go on this really strict diet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this was right. right before Thanksgiving. And I looked at her <laughs> diet and I was like, I started to cry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was, it was so restrictive, but I was also again, desperate. And I was like, okay, I might as well, I might as well try this. Yeah. And I lost like five pounds without trying. I, um, had just even more energy and, um, and within three weeks, another three weeks of, of doing all of her protocols, I was like 110% better. I was like, wow. just, and that's where I was like, okay, well, I may not want to go and do like nutrition or she was a chiropractor, she is a chiropractor and then now she's an acupuncturist also, but I was okay. like fascinated with how quickly just from that first appointment, my yeah. mind could affect my body. So that's why I wanted to learn this technique as well as like other mind body interventions. And I had to like get the higher degree in one of the healing arts, like acupuncture, chiropractic, um, psychology. Wow. That's why I chose psychology. Wow. Well, you're a very driven person. I'm, I'm really impressed with that. And thank you for sharing that part of that story of your life there. Does this also not only help with chronic uh, pain and things like that, does it help with people who struggle with, you know, you know, like, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, bipolar, you know, those kind of mental health issues that people deal with? Do you find it it's effective that on those things as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it helps with so many different things. And I've seen people I had a client when I had a clinic in um, Philadelphia and he called me a sorcerer because <laughs> he came in and he had like so much anxiety, something to do with his girlfriend and uh -huh. just needed to get her back. And he was just like in a horrible place. And then within like 45 minutes, he just went through this process and he was like, how did you do that? And I was like, well, first of all, I never want to be called like a healer per se, because I'm not healing anyone. It's like, I'm a conduit. I'm just okay. I'm yeah. all techniques and I'm helping someone help themselves. Yeah. So, um, but, but this, it is amazing how, and, and you know, like I, I talk about that in the book, there's this one client I had who um, I didn't even recognize her the week later that she came back because 
she had just gone through amazing transformation in the session. She went home and slept for 12 hours. And then the next day she did all these things that she couldn't do before, like going grocery shopping, like driving a car. Um, wow. and, um, so yeah, it's amazing. It's not just like, even when you have chronic pain or you have some other <clears throat> physical symptom, it's not just affecting the physical part of that. It's affecting the emotional part that's connected to the physical, which is why you feel so much better. Wow. That's amazing. That's, that's exciting. I mean, honestly, that sounds just, I'm sure it feels so good for you to see people going through this, you know, that miraculous, uh, event you went through and now you're seeing clients go through it as you're helping them go down that path. That's got to feel so fulfilling. It is. It's, I mean, that's the best part of what I do is just watching these transformations and the more people yeah. I can reach who like, who, you know, they've gone through a number of people have gone through like 12 different doctors and just yeah. so frustrated, but they, but I really admire their tenacity and looking for like, just like I did, like, there's gotta be something else. I'm not going to just sit with this pain or this, you know, I'm depressed or whatever it is. Like, yeah. So, um, so watching people just be open to that transformation and have it is amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about your book, uh, pain, a love story. Why did you call it a love story? Cause that just sounds contradictory, right? <laughs> yes, totally contradictory. And the thing is that <laughs> I truly believe from personal experience, as well as professional experience that, everything like the common denominator in all of what we do comes down to relationships. And so mm -hmm. even if I have chronic pain or chronic fatigue or depression or anxiety, I can look at how I'm relating to other people or even to myself and see that there is something that I'm trying, that I'm not feeling. So, um, you know, a lot of our history comes as, as you know, from your own personal experience, like it comes from how you grew up and what you yeah. learn to, how you learn to connect with other people and with yourself. And so, um, my, I have a theory that love can heal your pain and it also it can do the reverse. So I feel like I felt like I was unloved as a child. Mm, yeah. I mean, I wanted attention, but that's how I would translate it now is that I didn't feel enough love. Mm. And I've had the experience of like, when I do feel heard and seen, which I would say is one definition of love, that's where you can really feel like you're healing, like you're having this healing experience in your mind and body. Yeah. It's amazing how powerful love is, right? I mean, it almost sounds cliche. It almost sounds a little corny sometimes, but I, I'm a, I'm a big believer too, Serena, that love is like, I, 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 it's the answer to, I think to almost everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how, how has your book been received and what are some of the, maybe some key points in there that you'd like to share with us that, that would be good for us to hear. It's had a really good uh, reception. I think that some people, I say this in the, in the intro and I, in the preface, you know, this mm -hmm. is not a, I don't have seven steps in every chapter of like, <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn from this chapter and how do you get better? Or like, this is what I did. You know, I, I basically, I wanted it to be relatable because I don't want people to be like, oh, she's a doctor of psychology. She has all the answers. Yeah. Like, I do not have all the answers. <laughs> I right. really am still working on my own, <laughs> own issues. Um, but I wanted it to be 
uh, it's all in story form. So it's my story okay. interwoven with client case stories of like, this was the issue. Um, this is what I learned either about myself or about the clients and this is how they got better. And so, um, I found that it's a lot of people are saying that that's how it reads. It's just like, I'm with them in person and telling them a story about my life or telling them about a client case story. And that's also a really fast read. And I, that's like the highest compliment. Like I want it to be a page turner. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want people to go halfway into it. Like, Oh boy, I don't want to go. I don't want to keep going. (laughs) No, that's awesome. And, And the book's amazing. You know, I know you also help a lot of athletes talk about some of those experience because you know, you have these athletes that have these mental blocks, right? They're struggling with whatever their profession may be. Talk about how this technique and the things that you do have really helped a lot of these athletes. So athletes are, are really uh, challenging, but also really fulfilling population to work with because they have been indoctrinated just like we have too into thinking that if you have a physical symptom like a injury then the intervention is going to have to be a physical intervention to get you better it's going to be like mm. physical therapy or yeah. you know injections or something like that and so when i work with them they're kind of like what that was it like <laughs> i was upset that like my sister like got a better trophy than i did and um but they're like they're ecstatic that it was just kind of like you know just one session like i like because it's so fast and i've worked i remember working with a baseball player who could not understand why he couldn't increase his velocity like he had to have it be like 90 miles per hour or something to make the team yeah no matter how much he practiced how many however many coaches he consulted with it nothing would make it go above 90 and then I worked with him and we figured out that like his dad had been in a a minor league pitcher and could never get it above 90. So if he were to get it above 90, this client, then he would be, you know, making his dad jealous or making him upset in some way. And so once we cleared all that, he was able to, it was just like, it was amazing. He was then able to pitch faster. Wow. Well, I do know, um, I have a lot of friends who uh, have played baseball it, but if you throw the ball, pitch the ball at 89 miles an hour versus 90 is the difference of being drafted or not. And that's why that 90 is so critical, right? You know, and here you are helping someone quickly re- get rid of that mental block that's keeping them there. So I can see why this would be so uh, well received with athletes. So are the majority of your clients athletes or is it pretty broad range with, you know, of, of people? I started focusing on athletes, um, probably in like 2014 Okay. living in Philly at the time. And then I worked with some retired, um, Seahawks when I moved to Seattle. Okay. Um, but I, it's not a huge focus anymore, but I absolutely love working with athletes. And I just, I focus more on chronic pain or medically unexplained symptoms, but, um, but you know, like there are some sports, I thought there were some sports that were like purely like golf, tennis, like those yeah. are mental games, yeah. but, um, but no, it's like across the board. And also like the retired athletes, like, what do you do? You've just spent like your whole right. life with this is <laughs> your identity. And, and you're just kind of like, you know, when you're young, you're thinking like this will last forever. And then 
you let you're let go from the team and now you have all these like health issues yeah. and you're not like people don't recognize you and there's a lot of depression as well as chronic yeah. stuff happen with that too. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to, I want to read a quote from one of your, uh, athlete clients, Tyler Schmidt. He, he played for the Seattle uh, Seahawks. And here's what he says. After suffering through the worst year and a half of my life, Dr. Sterling reached out to me with a treatment that quite possibly saved my life. This kind of chokes me up. Sorry. Words cannot describe the gratitude I have for Dr. Sterling and the benefits I have received from my time with her. What a compliment, right? And here you got this athlete who's, you know, you know, they're Mr. You know, they're usually alpha males. They're confident they can do anything, you know, but for the, for him to say such, that was such gratitude and such compassion, that's got to feel good. Yeah, that, that was like, that's why it's at the top of my testimonial. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was so fun to work with him anyway, but he really, um, he really got better. And, and I was not even aware of like, when I met him, I was kind of just like, let's, he was so open to it. And that's what I love about like, you know, some people are like, no, like this isn't going to work. It still works, but yeah. Right. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it was, that's a, it's such a huge compliment. I really appreciated his kind words. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask you a, a kind of a tough question, but uh, I think uh, you'll appreciate it. What do you love most about you? Oh, about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say that I have a level of, um, you know, I'm, I was trying to figure out the difference the other day between determination and tenacity. Mm -hmm. And my dad used to call me tenacious and I feel (laughs) like it's almost like it's a positive way of saying that you're stubborn, you know, like you don't know for an answer you keep, if that door doesn't open, then you look for a different door. Um, so I would say that my ability to, um, when things are hard, I just, I keep going because, um, because it doesn't seem like there are other choices, like, or also knowing that there's something else that like, I'm just not asking the right questions or I'm just not doing something right. Like, I'm just going to find a way around it, or I'm going to find a way through it, or I'm just going to keep looking for answers. And so I would say that my tenacity to keep seeking is what I like about myself. Wow. Love that. Very well said. And I would agree just based on how I see what you're doing in your life of that tenacity and that uh, never give up attitude. And, you know, thinking back in your story, even when you were struggling, you were, even though you, 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 you went to something that was unhealthy, like cocaine and that kind of thing, you were still trying to like, how do I figure this out? And it was obviously all of that was part of your journey, you know, the good and the bad. Right. And, but here you are. And I have this, I have this philosophy that I believe that life happens for us. And as I sit here and listen to your whole story, I know there's a lot more to it, but if you look back, I mean, all of that stuff all happened for you. Cause look what you get to do now. You're in a position to make an, an impact on someone's life that they'll never forget. And just like what we read about what Tyler said about you, I'm sure that's one of thousands of, of testimonials that you have, but you wouldn't be in this position had you not gone through all of that. Right. That's um, such a great way of putting it. Also, you know, it's kind of like when you're in it, you can't make sense of it. Right. 
and you're like, okay. And you're just trying to find answers. But then when you look back on it, you're kind of like, oh, like now everything you go through gives you the ability to relate more to other people based on your experience yeah. or to make, to make things happen for you in a way that would be unavailable had you not already experienced something similar. Yeah. Wow. I love that. You know, another question I have for you is if you could go back to your younger self now, you know, to that, to that nine-year-old in third grade, what would you tell your, what would you tell your younger self today? I have often wondered, like, what would my life be like if I didn't develop chronic pain, if I didn't mm -hmm. go to those extremes? Yeah. And I feel like I would tell her that you are loved, you are enough, your mm -hmm. parents just aren't showing you in the way that will feel good for you. So I, I think that it would still be helpful to have that experience of developing pain, but I would probably say like, remember what you did to create it and believe that you can do this to uncreate it because I still have arthritis and it's yeah. been difficult to figure out like, okay, well, I was just this amazing manifester and I could manifest other things in my life. Like, why can't I manifest being able to uncreate this? So I'd go back to nine years old and be like, okay, remember this so that you can unravel it within like a year. Right. Wow. That's good advice. I love that. Um, so what I want to ask you this too, what do you do on a daily basis, you know, outside of your, your, your work and your passion, what do you do to keep yourself centered and, and motivated and kind of in the moment for the day? What, what does your day look like? I wake up. <laughs> I, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I am. Um, I, before I wake up, before I get out of bed, I spend about 10 minutes um, thinking of what I want to, how I want to be in that day. And what I like, what is one thing on my mind that I really want to create for myself and, um, and like tell myself it's going to be a good day. Yeah. And then, um, it's really, really important for me to, uh, to have a high vibration to, to be like mm. operating in a place that I feel connected to myself and to other people and to, um, and to staying focused on what I do want to create in my life. And so, right. um, because it's, and, and I don't, not every day is like this. There's some days where I feel like I'll get down a little bit and I'm kind of like, okay, like what happened? What am I thinking about? Why do I feel this way? Um, did I spend too much time on Instagram? You know, like looking at like right. accounts that make me really sad. Like what is like, trying to find, like connect the dots of why I don't feel that great. But so I make sure that, I mean, I have a, I have a one-year-old dog right now, so he needs exercise. Oh, so yeah. walking, you know, getting fresh air, that's really important, eating well, but also like um, meditating, being still, and um, taking time to just go within is extremely important when yeah. you can just be like sucked into like all these external things all day long. And I would say that it's important for me also to stay connected to my goals and feeling like an, I'm moving forward and accomplishing things so that I can, you know, feel like I'm fulfilled and on purpose. Wow. 
Love it. I think that's fantastic. And again, you know, I think I love what you said about making sure you have this high vibration, you know, because like attracts like, right? You know, and when we're on that high vibration, we connect with other high vibrations that are out there, which uh, again, that feels good. We're happier. We're, we have more energy and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I love that. Um, so if someone wants to reach out to you, who's struggling right now, Let, let's say right now someone's listening to this and they are just in a rough spot and they're not sure what to do. What, what would you tell that person right now who just feels down and dark and depressed or, or whatever it may be? What would you tell them right now? Please reach out. Um, send me, send me an email or a call. Um, I'm, I haven't, yeah, I have like an application on my website where you can just fill out an application and then I can see whether, um, whether you're appropriate, but, um, but it just goes through kind of like, what are your issues? What are you struggling with? Like, what are you looking yeah. to hoping to, to gain from working with me kind of stuff? Um, okay. and yeah, I'm, my website is drserenastrilling.com. Just my name really easy all Pretty my <laughs> exactly all my all my yeah. handles on social media are the same so. yeah and so they they can also get your book off your website is that correct yeah if you want to sign copy i um you can order it from my website otherwise you can go to amazon and it's on audible also on kindle oh right on right on so um <clears throat> so you could they could reach out to you on your website is that where they can also sign up if they want to hire you as their therapist slash life coach or whatever, whatever modality they need in that moment. Is that the best way for them to do that as well? Yes, I would. I would do like an intake first where I see, I assess how they respond to treatment. And then from there, um, based on what we discovered in that session, then I recommend a certain treatment plan after that. Okay, great. One last question. Um, What's been the best part of your day so far today? This one. This has been the oh, best. Wow. This is like the highlight. I mean, been looking Thank forward you. to this this podcast. And um, I don't know if your viewers can see, like they probably listen, right? But I yeah. love the poster behind you, the goldfish with a shark. Then yeah. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, mindset is everything. <clears throat> well, this has been the best part of my day as well. I've been looking forward to interviewing you since we first got connected a little over a month ago. I'm so impressed with what you do. And more importantly, just because of what you've been through. And again, I always look at that as like, you wouldn't be doing this and be so successful had you not gone through all of those challenges. And so I just admire you for not giving up and for making a difference in this world and being a really bright light to all of us. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing what you do also. I mean, it comes from your experience as well. So it takes one yeah. to know one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. And I, I appreciate that so much. So thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. And I, I'm so excited for everyone to, to share this and to listen to this and, and, and to obviously be inspired by that and reach out to you and hopefully get more help. Thank you. You bet. Well, there you go, guys. This is fantastic. Do Dr. Serena Sterling, please reach out to her. Check out her website. Her website's beautiful. It's easy to you know, navigate. You can get her book there. It sounds like you can get a signed copy if you order it from her website, which is really cool. And you know, if you need help, if you're struggling with any, uh, whether it's chronic pain or any 
you know, mental health issues or anxiety or depression, whatever it may be, reach out to her, ask her a question, look at what she does. And what I love is her results are fast. <laughs> so um, that's the beauty of it. And uh, so I, I challenge every one of you to do that. And again, share this with people you know, who are struggling. And again, Dr. Serena Sterling, thank you so much for joining us. You're, you're a wonderful person. And I'm grateful that I get to know you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you so much. Okay, take care.